the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Christian nationalism. It is possible that you are labeled a Christian nationalist and you don't even know it. How would you know? What is it? That is the topic that we cover today on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. Did you like the intro music to The Grid? If so, let me introduce you to J.D. Coleman, a young music composer. He excels in taking your concepts and converting them to a musical score best suited to you and your business. He's helped the Kingdom Patriot Group as well as Phenomenal Christianity and their podcast. What do you need to know about J.D.? He voted in the national election as soon as he turned 18. He's active in political discourse and is committed to the original founder's intent of the U.S. Constitution. What does that mean to you? He's a patriot and he's skilled at composing music for you and your business. Contact him today at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Reach out to JD today to take care of your music needs. Be sure to tell him you are a Kingdom Patriot. Welcome to this week's News and Review. On the war front, Zelensky said he's ready to meet with Putin. This war has drug on now for more than four weeks, and Ukraine is really not showing no signs of giving up their fighting, nor, nor would I. So I think it would be in Putin's best interest to find an off-ramp for this thing. But I think that's going to be really challenging. There's a lot of issues here with saving face. But speaking of this war, last week's podcast, we dealt with the potential of U.S. biolabs, not only in Ukraine, but throughout the world. There is more and more chatter out there. In fact, it's more widespread than I can imagine that this, in fact, is true and that it exists to a degree that we had no idea. I mean, there's tons of conspiracy theories out there, but every time I discount one as outrageous news or claims, later it turns out to be true. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot more coming out on this. We'll keep talking about it as the news unfolds. So this week we have more news on COVID-19. There's a new subvariant, BA2. A lot of people are referring to this as the Omicron variant. It's causing an increase in cases in China and the UK. And Dr. Anthony Fauci was speaking of this. He openly admits this variant appears to be less severe than Omicron. Yet in the same breath, he's talking about the need to take measures if necessary. I can't believe we're having this conversation. A Johns Hopkins University meta-analysis of several studies in February noted that lockdowns during the first COVID-19 wave in the spring of 2020 only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% in the U.S. and Europe. I want you to wrap your minds around that 0.2%. That's one-fifth of 1%. All the economy, all the lockdowns, all the issues, all the unintended consequences that occurred reduced the mortality of COVID-19 by one-fifth of 1%. Now, you remember the concerns from the Great Barrington Declaration? They actually talked about this. They talked about how you can't look at this disease only through the lens of COVID, but you have to look at all the unintended consequences. Well, a study from the National Commission of COVID-19 and Criminal Justice last year found that domestic violence incidents increased 8.1% in the U.S. after lockdown orders were issued. So 
that's just one measure. We're not going to go into all of them, but I cannot believe we're potentially talking about lockdowns again. In all of this, Fauci is saying we really need to be ready to implement mitigation measures. So if we have COVID-19 cases going up again, and it's something less virulent than Omicron, and these leaders want to implement lockdowns and shutdowns as mitigation measures, I say go for it. Good luck with that. We'll see you at the ballot box. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. All right, this is a difficult topic to tackle, and I'm so glad that I'm not doing it alone. I want to welcome back co-host Sean Griffin. How are you doing today, Sean? Thank you, Chris. Doing really, really well. And I'm going to hit the mute button occasionally because I still have this stupid cough. <laughs> That's okay. A little bit under the weather. I understand. So today we are talking about Christian nationalism. I did some research. I know you did some research. And I'm going to guess what you found. It's an easy to understand topic. It's clearly defined. And who it applies to is easily determined. That's what you found, right? <laughs> Right. It's as easy as nailing jello to the wall. <laughs> That's a pretty good descriptor. People that are listening right now, you probably wonder, well, what is Christian nationalism? And we are going to tackle that, but I, I will tell you right up front, it's very difficult. But we're not going to do it by sitting here reading you a bunch of definitions. We're actually going to approach this a little different. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to a couple of clips. We're going to listen to what people are saying what they think Christian nationalism, how it applies, how the label uh, gets attached to people before we ever go into what we think it means. But before we do that, I want to lay a foundation. Sean, you like foundations, right? It's kind of hard to live without one. You know, scripture talks about a foundation building your house on the rock. So we're going to talk about at the Kingdom Patriot Group what that foundation is. Want to be very clear before we get into labels and monikers and descriptors. At the very core of what we do, we love God. Nothing trumps that. We love God. We also love our country. And those two things are core to the work that we do, but it also becomes core as we start diving into this difficult subject. Sean, you ready to dive in? Let's give it a whirl, man. If you're a Christian and if you love your country, uh-oh, you're a Christian nationalist. This is Wretched Radio. These two words that are being bandied about lately sure seem to have been taking on a flavor that doesn't taste very good if you happen to be a Christian. It is a broadly defined term. It is everything from the people in the KKK, white supremacists, all the way to you know, it was kind of nice when we said a Pledge of Allegiance and, and, and sang America the Beautiful. Congratulations. If you are anywhere in that spectrum, you're a Christian nationalist. And that means you're dangerous, you're delusional, and you are an enemy of the state. So I guess, Sean, that I should first throw out this disclaimer that I'm not promoting uh, Wretched Radio or saying I even agree with all of their theology but I thought that clip was a really good representation of the ambiguity of the term Christian nationalism. What do you think? He clearly spells it out. I mean, the, it's a broad spectrum. And it's clearly a term, Christian nationalism, 
uh, used by a lot of people to either shut somebody down or shut their argument down or shut them up. So why do you think that the spectrum, if he's right, why is the spectrum so broad? I've got a theory, but I'm curious what you think. Well, I think it's so broad because you have, it isn't clearly defined. So it's kind of like a one size fits all label slap. Bam, shut you up. You're a misogynist or you're a sexist or you're a white supremacist. You don't have to have any evidence to get accused. Yeah, that's exactly what I, I think. And I, I think the, the more broad a label is, the easier it is to lump more people in it. I mean, that, that just makes sense, right? The more broad that is, the more people you can stuff into that category. And in doing so, the easier it is to vilify a large portion of people. And in this case, a voting block. That's my theory. Right. And, you know, there is somebody that we know of in, in the past, mid-century, last, last century, that specialized in vilifying people. Because if you can vilify a group of people, then you can get another group of people to act in their worst interest. I think that's a great point. So, Sean, do you think this label is just meant to shut down a group of people? Or does it go deeper than that? Well, it seems to me that it, it can be used as heavy-handed as um, a sledgehammer or as surgical as a knife. Uh, if you want to shut down a group of people, just slap them and say that's what they are. But you can also just shut down a person's argument. They've got one very strong point, but bam, you hit them with that. They may agree with the rest of what you've got to say, but it's very useful to them to slap that label on you uh, for your one point. Yeah. You know, as I was thinking, I was trying to think, well, how would we apply that in real terms? And I was thinking uh, maybe the issue of abortion. Most evangelical Christians, at least I hope most evangelical Christians, are pro-life and believe that abortion is murder and that that is abhorrent to what the Lord wants us to do. But in that view, if we're labeled a Christian nationalist, and so is the member of a KKK, then as soon as we try to talk about abortion and wanting to save lives, we, it gets framed as being, you're just anti-abortion because you're a Christian nationalist. And when that happens, no one listens to the argument. No one listens to what you're trying to promote. They only listen to, oh, who is this coming from? Of course, it's a white nationalist. Therefore, whatever they have to say is completely invalid. Exactly. And you can, you can even widen the scope and say, oh my gosh, because this human being is so horrible, then all human beings are horrible. Thus, thus earthlings are horrible. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're about to switch gears here as I want us to hear a clip by an organization called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. But before I do that, in your estimation, is this term divisive? <laughs> yeah, very divisive. And I don't even like math. That's funny. I think it really, really is. So let's listen to this clip and then let's have a dialogue about it. Sure. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. Against Christian nationalism. 
against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Against Christian nationalism. So you hear that video. What do you think? Hmm. Well, I think it's, you know, jump on the bandwagon. I hope this is not the case. So I say that up front. But I do get the feeling that a lot of the folks that participated in that recording, they don't have a firm grasp of the definition of Christian nationalists. I think that's a fair point, because let's go back to the the clip we just listened to a few minutes ago. And as we understand, Christian nationalism is actually being defined potentially from KKK all the way to, hey, I really liked it when the Pledge of Allegiance was in school or when we had prayer in school. So if you're a Christian and you're against the KKK, I agree with that. But if you're a Christian against prayer in the school and against the Pledge of Allegiance, I completely disagree with that. Thus, I think this is where we see part of this paradox because the scope of which this label is applied is so broad, it actually encompasses people who have opposing views and lumps them into a single bucket. Yes. So I was thinking about this earlier today, and what I came down to is, it might be a little challenging to follow along with this, but follow, follow me in this. So you've got Christian A labels Christian B, let's say Thomas labels Mark a Christian nationalist. Okay. Well, if you were to take the definition that Thomas used to label Mark you would probably find that Mark doesn't actually fit Thomas's definition of that label, but they use it because that's how they perceive Thomas perceives Mark as a Christian nationalist, but his belief system doesn't match Thomas's definition. And I think you'll find that that is the case with so many people that do the labeling. They literally misuse the label. I totally agree. That I think that's what makes this so challenging. You know, I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but in that video that we just listened, or at least the audio version of that video, everybody's saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Yet, I know that some of the stuff on their website, they partnered with the Freedom From Religion Foundation or that organization to prepare some of their information. Well, if you know anything about Freedom From Religion, it is not an agnostic or neutral organization. They, they are diametrically appro- opposed to faith, pure and simple. Is that, is that how you read them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, wait, stop, halt. I can't roll my eyes to the back of my head that far. Seriously? It's like, sadly, there are many people in that organization who are going to die and go to hell. Let's just be blunt. Yeah. Although that, that, that's a whole nother topic, but I think that I think you'd also describe the church, un- unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I use the word evangelical Christian, but I really probably should stop using that term and really should start using the term a, a disciple, a follower of Christ, because that there's a lot of people who say they're Christians, but are clearly not a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a new term for that, although I'm sure somebody else has thought of it. You know how we have rhinos that are Republicans in name only? Well, we also have Chinos. Christians in name only. And I don't mean that to be ugly because I really I don't want to be ugly, but we really do have people in the church that think they're Christians, but they really have no idea what being a, a follower of Christ really is. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. Next week on The Grid. There's an article in Christianity Today that was written in February of 2021. And just to sort of preface the context, I noticed a lot of the research around Christian nationalism, uh, or a lot of people were commenting on it within weeks or a few months of what happened on January 6th, because I think so many people were afraid of the fallout, and they attempted to define what happened on January 6th with the term Christian nationalism, when in reality, it may not have applied to the vast majority of people. Let's jump into that conversation from the article in Christianity Today. We'll pick up on part two of Christian nationalism on the next edition of The Grid. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, J.D. Coleman. To get music composed for your business, drop J.D. a note at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email address is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Be sure to tell him you heard about him from The Grid. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Oh,